it went straight down the middle. Then it started to hook. Just you know, Tiger Woods had his first win here back in the 1974 uh, Western Open, I believe, uh, that was played at uh, at Olympia Fields. Uh, sorry, sorry, Woods. not sorry, sorry, not not Tiger Woods. Tom Watson. Tom Watson. Different TW, yeah. right? He had his first win. Yeah. I didn't realize that. I didn't even know yeah. the Western Open was at Olympia Fields. You know, they moved it around uh, yeah. before it got to Butler National, and uh, and yep. yeah, he won his first tournament there, didn't he? Yeah. Played at Beverly. They played quite a quite a bunch of different golf courses in the early days. Wow. Yeah. So you, you you come off your high and uh, go to the Buick Open and win that by two over several guys, including Mr. Woods. Yeah. Uh, so that was actually, I think, my one, my best year to that time. Not only won a major championship, but also won multiple events in a year. And so uh, it was kind of fun to win uh, more than one event in a season and, and then also just, just have such a, a good, solid year. Um, and and the Flint's always been uh, – I always loved that golf course. I had – I think I played. Uh, I had a number of top tens, maybe maybe ten top tens at that golf course throughout the years. Uh, kind of a short, tight golf course, a lot of short irons in your hand. Uh, it just really suited my style of game. I always enjoyed going there, and uh, I also uh, now it's on the Champions Tour. I picked Flynn out as uh, a great place to start my Champions Tour career, and was able to win my first event on the Champions Tour there in my first week. Yeah. So uh, really. Uh, as a special spot for me, I enjoy Flint. Um, Allies now the title sponsor there, and they've been uh, they've been wonderful for the event. So, Jim, we come to two thousand four, and uh, my notes say wrist surgery. I assume that stems from that football injury you mentioned earlier. Or different it- wrist, different wrist. Huh? Same. Ah, yeah. Was, uh, first one was the right. Uh, second one was the left, but same thing, tearing the TFCC. So. Uh, Again, overuse, um, nothing I did other than golf. Uh, just started bothering me in the fall of 03 and just never really went away. And uh, and then by the time I got to January, February of, of uh, 04, just couldn't couldn't get it done, couldn't play. So uh, the only, only, you know, kind of a scary moment really in your career because you start to have surgery, you start thinking, well, if it doesn't go well, if I never recover, don't get the strength back. Yeah. Uh, you know, looking back, it wasn't that big of a deal. Um, but uh, at the time, it was kind of a scary thought. So uh, uh, surgery in both 04 uh, on my left wrist and then again in uh, 16 on my left wrist. So both uh, both both different spots. But uh, for one reason or another, that's kind of what's, you know, I've been lucky with some back injuries. I've been lucky with a lot of different things and, and never really having too much to worry about. But but uh, the left wrist seems to be the – it takes the brunt uh, in my yeah. swing. And yeah. I mentioned earlier that, you know, when I first hurt my right wrist, I had to, you know, learn to become a little maybe more efficient in my practice. And I don't know if I heeded the warning so well uh, in 01. And then in 04, I really uh, had to learn how to how to practice better uh, yeah. because I just didn't have the ability to, uh, to hit the number of balls and to bang the balls that I was used to. Um, and the doc that I worked with has become a good friend and, and I had a pitch count, uh, of 25 golf balls a day, mm, mm. uh, for, for quite a while in that recovery. That's not a lot of balls. Uh, when you think about it, that's, that's not much that's at all. Including, that's including your warm up, and, and man, I poured everything I could into those 25 balls. I mean, I, I grounded out every day and, and, uh, to try to get ready and, and get better. And, and I was able to come back in 04, 
and barely get back. The goal was to try to make it back to uh, Shinnecock to defend my uh, U.S. Open title from 03, and uh, I was able to do it. But, uh, you know, struggling. I didn't hit a driver at home and because uh, I was kind of building up day by day, and the first drivers I hit were actually at Shinnecock uh, That's in my amazing. recovery. So, um, But it was fun to kind of go back and, and get a chance to defend, and I was able to just kind of squeak in and make the cut. So, uh, you know, I needed some time to kind of build up some uh, some strength and, and uh, stamina, and the doc, the doc was spot on. He said, I'll have you playing in three months. He goes, you're going to think you're 100% at six months, but in all honesty, you'll be 100% at nine months. There you so, go. you know, uh, he was right. He was right on. At six months, I was like, man, he's nuts. I feel great. And then I got to nine months, kind of the end of the year, and I go, yeah, I'm a lot stronger now. <laughs> it feels better. So uh, I was kind of I was kind of ready to hit the ground running in 05 uh, after that surgery in 04 because I had missed so much of the season. And 05 was pretty, uh, was pretty good because you uh, – you, you, uh, were able to handle Tiger Woods again at the Western Open. You beat him by two shots there, so that had to make you yeah, feel good. Yeah, I think the injury uh, got me really focused again on on uh, just trying to get better and playing. And uh, when something gets taken away for a little while, you you realize how important it is to you. And I worked really hard. I think if you look at uh, like world rankings, the best I'd ever gotten to in the rankings was kind of through that oh five oh six era where I had a probably close to a 16 month stretch where I, I sat on that number two number for a while and mm. to put it in, I guess to put it in, in perspective, they give you a value, you know, on the official world golf ranking. Uh, Tigers was somewhere around 18, like 16 to 18. Mine was six. So he had, tri- <laughs> he had pretty much triple the number of points of the rest of the, you know, the rest mm. of us uh, right. at that time when he was number one. But, um, I was real proud of the way I played in 05 and 06, uh, the consistency, uh, the number of opportunities I had to win golf tournaments, and and, uh, and it was reflected in the, in the highest ranking I'd ever had. And winning some golf tournaments on, I mean, over your career on some very, very challenging and solid golf courses. Uh, you know, Cog Hill's no slouch, Dub's Dread. Uh, that was 15 minutes from my house, so I had a chance to play it as a younger man quite often. Yep. And that's a, that was a real course. tough there, wasn't it? Absolutely. And I was able to play uh, – I played a Western Junior there as well. I won uh, I won the Western Junior uh, at Michigan State uh, at their golf course. I think it was uh, possibly Forest Acres, but uh, at Michigan State. And then defending that at the age of 18 was at Cog Hill. So it was kind of well, – that was my first, first chance to, to see that golf course. And, um, and then to actually have a, a PGA Tour event there uh, later on. I think uh, they weren't playing the Western Open there when I played the junior event, but uh, to go back and kind of see it as a as a professional and then also win the Western Open was a lot of fun. Yeah, and our Chicago listeners will remember the name Joe Jemsick too. Jim was really yeah, – uh, uh, Joe Jemsick was sort of the father of public golf in Chicago for fe- many, many, many years. Yep. And, uh, of course, his son Frank now runs uh, runs the organization there. It was a great tournament sponsored by uh, – the Western Golf Association, of course, many of our listeners know what their mission is, which is the the Evan Scholar Program. It was the really the the oldest uh, uh, running tournament around, except for probably a couple, the U.S. Open, maybe one other, for the longest time until it then transitioned to the BMW uh, Series, didn't it? Right. Yeah. Just proud. I'm actually, I've always had a great relationship with the Western Open, and so 
Uh, I never won the amateur. It was one of my favorite events. It was at a place called Point of Woods in Benton Harbor, Benton Michigan. Harbor, yeah. Great yeah. golf course. Yeah. Uh, and never had, never, never played as well there as I would have liked. But uh, I did win the junior and I did win the the open. So I've got two of the three. Yeah. yeah. Two of the three of the, of the Western Slam. Yeah. The following year, you went to Quail Hollow, another solid course. Of course, that's hosted a number of uh, different championships, uh, winning the Wachovia Championship uh, in a playoff with Trevor Immelman. Yeah, uh, kind of stole that one a little bit. Trevor played really well. We went up the 18th hole. Uh, he's got me by a shot. Uh, we both drove it in the fairway, and I think I missed the green right. And uh, pin was front left. Trevor hit a shot kind of to pretty deep in the green, but in the center of the green. And the pin was in a spot where tough chip, tough putt. And I kind of had a feeling if I could somehow manage to get that one up and down, it would put a lot of pressure on him to two putt. You know, it was going to be tough for him to get that first putt inside five feet. And uh, I was able to get my my pitch shot to about 10 feet, make the putt, and he later missed the putt to, to win the event. So we went to a playoff and um, I was able to able to win on the first extra hole. So uh, Quail is a Quail is a place that was real good to me early in my career. And I had been in a couple, at least two playoffs there. Uh, I think I finished second there twice, won there once. Uh, big, long, hard golf course. Big, long. Um, and as I, again, as I got a little older in my career, it kept getting longer and I kept getting shorter. It was a, <laughs> it was a bad combo. Oh, funny but, how that uh, works. Yeah, it's one, yeah. one of those places that uh, I really enjoyed playing, and it was one of my one of my favorite courses. So uh, I, I think there's events that I could have won there that didn't work out. That's one that probably Trevor should have won, but uh, you know I was able to come away from it with a W. Later that year, you won the Canadian Open, and then guess what happened the year after that? You defended your championship at the Canadian Open, back-to-back winners. Yeah, yeah able to do that twice in my career. I, uh, I think I won Vegas in 1999 right. and then won the uh, Canadian in 06-07. So, uh, you know, the interesting thing with that, though, the Canadian Open, it's held on two different golf courses. Right. So, uh, you know, one was, I think, at Hamilton in 06, which is a wonderful course, and then Angus Glenn in 07. Uh, it's always unique when you when you defend a tournament uh, that's not on the same golf course, right? Because it's it's always fun to go back to that course where you hit so many good shots, where you made so many putts, and it gives you, you know, if you're playing well, it, it, oh man, you know, I won here last year. It's this great feeling. If you're not playing well, you go in there, and it's just that nostalgia sometimes can can draw you right out, and you start playing well. But uh, you know, the Canadian Open I've played it a number of times. RBC, uh, one of my sponsors for a number of years, and and also, you know titles uh the heritage and the heritage is one of my is, is actually my favorite event on the pga tour so um you know canadians you ever you, you go on the golf channel you notice like there'll be 10 callers in it seems like eight of them are always always from canada uh, they, 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 they they love golf they love the golf season's short but they love golf yeah they do uh we're leading up to a, another outstanding year you had in 2010, but I got to ask you between 07 and 010, uh, maybe you had a lot of seconds or thirds or fourths, uh, no wins, but what was going on during that time?
Hear that? That's the sound of a walk-off albatross, a two on a par five to win a two-day golf tournament. That shot happened to me. One in 600 million odds. Since then, people call me Albie. Now, I've told this story so often, my friends can't take it. I'm pretty sure my wife, next time I tell her, she's going to leave me. So I decided to start a podcast to tell the entire world about it because it deserves it. It's the craziest shot you've never heard of. And guess what? There's tons more stories like this all around golf. And that's what our podcast is all about. Join me and my fellow degenerates, Pam and Shepard as we dive into them. Insane bets, crazy what-if scenarios, and all the you-had-to-be-there type moments in golf. Find us wherever you get your podcast. Did I tell you about my albatross? Uh, playing well, but not not just not finishing it off. You know, not, not, not able to get some Ws. I was putting a lot of pressure on myself. I think uh, trying a little too hard at times. Um, and really, yeah, I had a lot of opportunities. And sometimes I just got beat. Sometimes the guy just just played better. And other times I, I beat myself and didn't close the door. So there's a little, a little of both of that. And by the time 010 got there, I was, or 010, by the time 2010 got there, I, um, yeah, I was putting a lot of pressure on myself. I wanted to kind of get over the hump and get that W and, and, uh, I played an event in Doral the week before, uh, Tampa. And it was a funny week. So you got to bear with me on this story a little bit because you just brought you brought a memory up. Uh, the first two days I was paired with Roy McIlroy and Adam Scott. And they were hitting it about 30 yards by me. <laughs> so, yeah, this is still, I'm 40 years old. You know, I wasn't, wasn't old, um, but they're hitting it a good 30 yards by me. I'm probably being, being nice to myself, but we'll go with 30. <laughs> um, and I was playing really well. Like I was in you know, I was in the top 15 in the tournament. I was playing well. And then I got paired on Saturday with this guy that I'd never heard of from Europe named Alvaro Quiros. And so he kind of popped, he kind of popped one up on the first hole and he knocked it about 30 by me, but I didn't really pay attention that he didn't hit it really good. And, uh, and everyone else had been hitting it 30 by me. So I didn't really think about it. And then he tried to drive the second green. (laughs) And, uh, when I saw him pull driver, I'm like, well, he's going to knock it up there 40 yards short of the green downwind. You know, he's going to have no shot with this wedge. The pin's cut over a bunker. You know, this is the dumbest play I've ever seen. And it left the club, and it flew like five yards short of the green. And I went, oh, oh like, my goodness. Wow. I go, who is this guy? You know, like he, he hits it. So now he's hitting it 50 by me or 60 by me all day. And then I get paired with another guy that I'd never played with and didn't really know his game very well on Sunday by the name of Dustin Johnson. Oh, yeah, he's hitting it 50 by me. <laughs> and you know, hitting then he used to hit kind of a, a like a flat draw, like it was a boring hard draw. Bullet. And now he hits that high fade, but and he's hitting it fifty by me. And and uh, the funny part about this event is I I finished ninth in the tournament. I finished top ten. I was playing good, but I left there going, I need another driver. Like I need <laughs> to find a driver because. <laughs> I mean, these guys are dropping mail on me left and right. It's, this, this game's getting hard. So I went to Tampa and Innisbrook and walked in the Callaway trailer Monday morning as early as I could get there. And I went, we need to build a driver. Like, we need to build something that goes farther than what I'm hitting. And so we talked about it. We tried a few things. And I put a new driver into play that week uh, that I was hitting uh, significantly farther and still pretty straight than what I had before. Interesting, and, uh, and I won that week. Uh, I was playing well, but it was kind of a nice that I got on a really good roll with that driver. Uh, I won there. I won a won about a month later, month and a half later at RBC, 
Right. And town. right after that, that bro- driver broke it. Uh, I blew out something in the soul and I never found another one that I liked near as much as that. So I spent uh. the rest of the rest of that summer kind of searching for a driver that I really liked. Um, and then switched into a new driver uh, later in the year that I won the tour championship with. So um, 2010 has a great feel. Uh, Tampa, the one thing I remember about Tampa, it was just I got the monkey off my back, to be honest with you. Um, put a lot of pressure on myself to win a tournament. And then when I did, um, you know, I, it was more instead of joy really winning at uh, at Innisbrook, which is now the Valspar. I can't remember what it was then. Um, winning that event instead of joy it was more a relief it was kind of a sigh of relief but getting that monkey off my back that opened the floodgates and and i had a you know i obviously had a heck of a year and my the best year i've had in my career and so um i can remember my first tour championship they always named the the player of the year my very first one i want to say was uh i made it to the tour championship in 96 and so 97 to start the year tour championship they're going to award the player of the year who was tom layman and so we all went to this kind of banquet like dinner sport coat and tie and tom was given this award of player of the year and i was in my maybe third year on tour fourth year on tour and kind of looking up and saying what you know wow what an amazing honor you know to 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 be the player that voted by your peers and voted by everyone on tour as the best player uh, of the year and i was thinking you know that was like a wildest dream at that point, you know, to be that young on tour and you think of all the great names and great players that we had. And, and so to, to kind of get in that position and um, that tour championship kind of meant a lot. I knew if I won the tour championship, I was most likely going to win the FedEx cup, which was kind of a really cool deal. Mm -hmm. Uh, Most likely it was going to get voted player of the year. I mean, there was a lot that went with it. So uh, I put a lot of, (laughs) We had a rain delay. Uh, I played eight holes on Sunday, and we had a big rain delay, and I had to kind of sit it out for a couple hours uh, that afternoon, um, and then went back out on the course. Um, put a lot of pressure on myself to uh, to kind of get through that round, and and uh, it was fun to get the win. But you know the the, the player of the year, the, the like I said, to have your peers name you that and vote for you, and is is really you know one of the coolest things in my career. Great, uh, great year in 2010. You recounted it for us nicely. Uh, let's move ahead to Conway Farms in the BMW Championship 2013. You had mentioned early, and I think this was probably your second tour school, talking about making the cut on the number. Uh, you, you did the same thing here, didn't you? Oh uh, no, that was in that was in uh, 2016. That was the 58. Ah, yeah. Con- yeah, sorry, that's right, that's yeah. right. I, I'm a, yeah. I'm Conway was a playoff event, so I think it was a Conway was myself. a no cut no cut event. No, that's um, that's right. But yeah. didn't play very didn't play very well the first round. I shot one over. Um, really felt like I hit the ball well. I just didn't score very well. Didn't make some putts. Just you know, one of those days where it just wouldn't go in the hole, and I was frustrated. Uh, called my dad. Just said I played so much better than one over par. You know, I, I, that could have been a three or four under, no problem. And just was really disappointed um, with where I kind of stood in the field. And as as much as the ball didn't go in the hole on Thursday, it you know I got it all back and then some on Friday. It seemed like uh, you know we couldn't make a mistake. Uh, kept hitting it stiff. Kept knocking putts in. And uh, it was it was a kind of a cool morning, uh, a breezy day. I mean the wind blew. 15 miles an hour for a lot of that day. 
Um, mm. I don't think it's in my mind, it's not an easy golf course. It um, isn't. It isn't. <laughs> what, what really, why I think that's the best round I've ever played is that it just set the, the next best score that day was 65. So I shot 59, but I beat the entire field uh, in a 70 player playoff event by, by six shots. And so I think when you look at numbers and you look at scores and you look at a guy that say shoots 62, uh, you know, if you're in Palm Springs and there's a 62 and four 63s and five 64s, and it's still 62. Don't get so me wrong. Yeah. But, but there's a lot of other good scores. When, when you see a guy go out and shoot a real low number, uh, Corey Pavin shot a number at Riviera one day when I shot 75 or 76, made the cut. And I was thinking it was the hardest day of golf I'd ever played on tour at that point. And he shot 64 that day. And I still tell him, I go, to this day, that that was one of the greatest rounds of golf I've ever ever heard of because I, I, and I was playing right near him. Like he wasn't far from me in the field. And it was all <laughs> I could do to shoot 75. I mean, I was killing myself out there my rookie year. And, uh, you know, so when you, when you have a round like that, where things are going well, but you separate yourself from the field, um, I was really proud of, uh, of the score and I really enjoyed kind of the finish and I, and just, I was tight. I was playing with Duffner and playing with, uh, uh, geez, I can, that's what happens when you're 52. Yeah. We could Google it. I was playing with Duffner <laughs> and, um, well, uh, Gary Woodland. 85. Yeah, Woodland. Yeah. Gary, Gary Woodland. <laughs> a couple of major winners. We were, we were on the eighth tee, so my 17th hole, and I'm trying to strike up a conversation, but anytime I walked near them, they would just move. Like, they would go somewhere else, and it, it hit me like they're try- they just don't want to get in the way. Like, they don't – and I needed someone to talk to. Like, I, I was tight, nervous. Uh, eight was a reachable par five. I didn't make – I didn't make birdie. Uh, I had to make, like, a – hit in the greenside bunker and kind of pitched it by about maybe eight, 10 feet. And it was downhill and I missed a 10 footer, but it went like maybe four feet by and those greens were getting kind of greasy in the wind. And the hardest part of the day was really the four footer coming back. So I still had an opportunity to shoot 59 and then uh, was able to hit like a driver and a gap wedge into the ninth hole. And I hit it in there about three feet. So uh, two, three feet. So uh, it was cool to see some guys came out of the locker room. I saw a bunch of tour players kind of on the side of the green. Um, you know, there was a buzz about, about the golf course. So the crowd on that front nine, like seven, eight, nine, it just started to grow. And there was a bunch of people kind of surrounding the, uh, the ninth green. So, uh, always a fun, you know, fun time. And the mistake I made is I did it on Friday. So now I've got to go through all the media and all the fun, but then I still have to play two more rounds. Yeah, and Zach yeah. Johnson, Zach Johnson kicked my butt on the weekend, won the tournament. Yeah. Well, coming, coming down the stretch, you were the proverbial pitcher in the dugout close to a no hitter. Yes. Yeah. I had a no, no going and no one wanted to say a word. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. You were alone on the bench. Well, anyway, a great experience. I'm sure it prepared you for what was to come. Let's just uh, briefly mention your second RBC heritage win at Harvard town. That was in a playoff with Kisner and, uh, you shot a pretty good Sunday round there too, didn't you? Uh, I did, uh, kind of a rainy, windy morning. Um, just got off to a good start. I actually didn't hit the ball very well for the first five or six holes and just, you know, ball ended up in a good spot, kind of got through it and then started picking up some momentum kind of late, you know, mid late in that front nine where I started striking some really good solid shots, hitting a lot of fairways, a lot of greens. But what strikes me is I, I made everything that day. I, I had a real good visual for um, kind of reading the greens. Uh, I'd been working on my alignment 
uh, on both my right to left and, and left to right putts. And, and I just felt like everything, you know, kids made a great putt in the first playoff hole from about 20 feet for birdie. And I had about a 12 footer and it just, it never dawned on me. It wasn't going in. I mean, I made putt after putt after putt that day. Uh, and so I think I, uh, maybe I shot about eight or nine under and uh, on Sunday and then buried the first two playoff holes as well. So I think we played, uh, 20 holes and I might've shot 10 or 11 under for those 20 holes, uh, on my favorite golf course. So, uh, great memory. I'm a little bummed. That's, that's my last win on the PJ tour, but, uh, if there was a place to do it, I'm, I'm uh, actually really happy. It was at RBC and, and at Harbor town because that is, that is my favorite golf course. It's a great track. Yeah, it really is. Well, you got to talk about your 58, though, in 2016 yep. at TPC River Highlands. Okay, let's let's talk about that because that I know you said you felt the 59 was better playing, but, I mean, 58's a low, low number, James. Still 58, oh, oh, still 58. Yeah, yep. sure is. Uh, a lot of the same – it had a, the round felt so similar to the 59 um, in a number of different ways. And again, I didn't make the mistake this time. It was on Sunday. I just got to walk off and enjoy it. I didn't have to, uh, didn't have to go play the next two days, but uh, right. I hadn't been playing very well leading up. Um, that was a, if I remember it was an Olympic year. So the PGA had been moved back. Um, I had been grinding. I had been hitting a ton of balls. Wasn't happy with my ball striking. I think I was out on the road for four straight weeks. It was like 29 days. And that was day 29 was uh, the day I shot 58. I was pretty frustrated. I'd been working hard, hitting a lot of balls, kind of beat down, tired. And I woke up that morning just kind of happy. I was going home. Like I had a week off and I knew I'd given it everything I could for the last four weeks. Really hadn't played all that well. But, uh, you know, Mike, you mentioned that I made the cut on the number. I made about an eight footer on Friday to, uh, to make the cut. Uh, shot one over on Saturday on a golf course that was, wasn't playing tough, right? One over was like shooting 78. Yeah. Um, and so I was tied for 70th, you know, going to um, the final round and in, in one of the first groups. And I can't tell you how many people said, man, I was there when you shot 58 and I saw you hit every shot. Yeah. And it, I've had, nobody was with you. Fifty people say that. There was like seven people on the first tee at, at, at seven forty-eight on Sunday morning. There yeah. wasn't that many people there, but the the rounds were very similar in that I got it going early. So uh, in both rounds, I shot eight under on the front nine. Yeah, and in that one, uh, I missed a birdie putt at one, but I birdied two. I hold an iron at three. I birdied four. Uh, I birdied six. I birdied seven. I birdied eight, and I birdied nine. And it was. Honestly, it was pretty darn easy. Um, you know, the, the putt at two was about 15 feet. The putt at four was five feet or in. The putt at six was four feet or in. The putt at seven was a tap in. The putt at nine was a tap in. And I did make one pretty good putt, maybe about a 20 footer or so at 20, 25 feet at number eight. Um, a lot of close putts. And then and you shoot eight under, there's a buzz, right? There's another uh, yeah. 59 watch, you know, hashtags, stuff going out. And I could see from the media room, I saw three or four of the beat riders kind of making their way to the 10th tee as I was walking, you know, back left to nine, walking over to 10. And I think it was Doug Ferguson, but one of the beat riders, I kind of looked and I said, man, you know, 
surprised you guys are kind of out here so early and headed to the back nine. Something special going on? And you know, I, got, I got, I got a little bit of a snicker, uh, you know, like, hey, hey, smart, yeah, smart. And, and so, you know, I, I just birdied six, seven, eight, nine and 10's always been an awkward hole for me, but I hit an eight iron about eight feet, made it, made it for birdie 11, you know, hit a, an iron about 15 feet long left of the hole, make it for birdie. I go into 12, uh, hit hit like maybe a chippy eight iron in in there about five six feet make that for birdie so i've just birdied seven in a row and, and i'm 11 under through 12 and it's a par 70 so you know you're already breaking a barrier yeah and i've got a reachable five and 13 and a reachable four at 15 yet left to play and then some danger 17's always been a dangerous hole for me and i doubled it on uh on thir- thursday or friday i made double on, I, I think it was thursday i made double on 17 so, but I go to 13, it's a tough drive. You got OB left, you got water right. Uh, if you fit it in though, you got a chance to reach it. And I just striped the drive. It was one of my best drives of the week. Um, and lo and behold, I get out there and I'm sitting in a divot. So I got ribbed a lot because I was about 2.30 from the pin and I laid up. Laid up, yeah. And people are like, you're 11 under par. You're like, call me names. And, and uh, you know, you laid up from 2.30 and I said, I drove it in a divot. And they go, oh, well, all right, that's different. You know, I had no yeah. choice. Pin was kind of front left and a bowl kind of on the water. And I hit my wedge a little too hard. I was trying to use like the, the ridge and the backstop, but also make sure I didn't spin it back in the water. And I just hit a little too hard, got it up on top. So I two putt 14. I hit it in there about 12, 14 feet. Nice. I got a little downhill slider. I hit a good putt. Doesn't go 15. I hit a driver the pins back left and you got the water left. And I hit this little driver, low draw. And it looks like it's going to run and get up on the green. And it's right at the pin. I mean, I'm excited. And it kind of rolled up the slope and got to the very top and then rolled back down the slope. And I hit a little eight iron chip and run back there that got just a little hot. And it got about, I don't know, maybe eight feet past the hole. And I hit this eight footer and I'm walking it in. I mean, I'm, it is in the, it's in the jaws. And it just kind of dips a little right at the end and it horseshoes and comes back at me. And so I'm like, I stepped, like I stepped, like I was going to go pick it up. <laughs> and then I looked and went, oh, like, all right, they're not all going to go in. Like it was a, like, oh no, like that couldn't have missed. And it came right back at me. And so, you know, I still at, still at 11 under, got three to play. And those are the more, you know, there's some danger at 16, 17, 18. Yep. 16, the pins front left. I put the ball where I'm supposed to, just a little long right of it. But now I've got like a 30 footer and it's breaking six feet. And I hit this putt and kind of feed it out there. And it just, it basically just dies and melts in the middle of the hole, like perfect speed, perfect putt. And now I've got a 12 under and I'm stepping on 17. It's my nemesis. And I've made double on it. And I made the worst swing of the day off the 17th tee. Um, I was the first time I was tentative and I kind of steered it and I towed it down the right side. I hit in the right water the first day. I towed it down the right side. And there was a moment of, uh oh, like when it left the club and I looked up and realized, okay, it's gonna stay in the fairway and it's fine, but it was a reminder that you gotta stay aggressive. You can't you can't get tentative, you can't wish one out there. And so uh I took an eight iron right at it uh, at the pin. The pin was kind of front right over the water. I was just jacked up and I hit it over the pin, but I hit it too long. And so now I've got, you know, thirty, forty feet coming down over a ridge. And I left that one. I thought I hit a good putt, but I left that one three or four feet short. Now I got a little downhill shaker, just kind of like I did. Again, same similarities, you know, eight under on the front nine, same got off to a good start on the back nine, but second to last hole, I've got a little shaky one that I've got to get in the hole. 
And I put a good stroke on the forefoot or knocked it in. I've got a 12 under going to 18. And I had not hit that fairway all week. Um, and if you hit the fairway, it was a little down breeze. It's a short iron for the second shot. You know, if, if you hit the fairway, it's a green light. If you miss the fairway, it's a pretty easy bogey. And, uh, again, striped it. Hit one of my best drives of the week. And it might be the only time in my career I've ever fist pumped a drive. But if you watch the replay, uh, <laughs> uh, I hit the shot. I pick up my tee and I... Like I'm, I'm jacked up that I hit it and, uh, hit a decent, decent nine iron, a little thin, a little short right of the hole, but have it 20 feet uphill. And the biggest surprise and the biggest shock to me was I actually got the putt to the hole at 18. Like I didn't, didn't lag it up there short and tap it in. I actually knocked it about a foot, foot and a half by and, and ran it not far, you know, maybe, maybe an inch or two off the right edge. It was a pretty good, pretty good look at it. And again, if you watch my reaction, I kind of give it a, like, you know, yeah, I hit a good putt, but I was a little surprised that one got there. I thought, I thought uh, by that point, I was, uh, wasn't feeling my hands quite as well as I usually do. I was a little shaky. Bruce, I, I gotta, I gotta tell you, I, I watched yesterday, uh, something on YouTube that, you know, basically showed every one of Jim's shots in, in pretty rapid succession and two observations. One, uh, Jim, as you mentioned, the commentators absolutely noticed your reaction on your tee ball, and everybody was expecting you were going to be hanging it out in the right rough or something. And next thing yeah. you know, it's in the fairway. These guys said, "Well, maybe it didn't go quite as far as he thought, or something." I don't know. <laughs> but <laughs> but the second observation is, uh, and you know, as golfers, we're guilty of doing this all the time. The woulda, shoulda, coulda, but that could have been a fifty-six, easy. Well, yeah. it could have been a sixty-one, pretty easy too. So yeah. it. it uh, yeah. That's uh, that's all part of it. Um, you know, I, I guess even if I had shot 60, I mean, no regrets. I mean, I, I poured everything I could into it and, and uh, I, I feel very fortunate. People, one question everyone always asks me is, well, what is the lowest you've ever shot? I mean, like, have you ever, you know, you've broke 60 in practice, right? I'm like, not, not even a chance. I mean, uh, I would say that golf professionals always shoot their lowest scores in competition because it's when they care the most, when they're most focused, when, when it matters. Um, you know, I, I don't go out with my buddies and I don't think I care enough to go shoot a 59, nor do you get that opportunity very often. You know, I, I, I always kind of marveled at when guys shot, you know, when, when they had a chance to break 60 or when they shot 59 and just thought, I mean, that's, that's absolutely amazing. Um, not knowing I'd ever had that opportunity. So the fact that I've got two opportunities to do it and then was able to kind of finish it off and, uh, you know, birdie some holes on the way in and do it. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you for listening to another episode of For the Good of the Game. And please, wherever you listen to your podcast on Apple and Spotify, if you like what you hear, please subscribe, spread the word, and tell your friends. Until we tee it up again, for the good of the game, so long, everybody. Whack down the fairway. It went smack down the fairway. Then it started to slice just a smidge off line. It headed for two, but it bounced off nine. My caddy says, long as you're still in the state, you're okay. Yes, it went straight down the middle. Quiet away.